Today we are continuing on in really what Jeff began to present last week. And if you, uh, hopefully you did get your book, they were in there today, uh, Surprise the World, and then the subtitle is The Five Habits of Highly Missional People. I, I, I'm amazed at how small the book is, and I'm amazed at how helpful it is. Last week, he presented uh, an acronym. We'll talk about this in a minute. But uh, the challenge, uh, it was what Jeff presented was a challenge for habit change. And we've talked about habits before. We've talked about the role they play and a little bit of how they work. And Jeff reviewed some of that last week. But the truth is, we live a great deal of our life out of instinct and habit. We, we live a lot of our life from there. And it's what makes change so difficult. And it, it's what makes it laborious. And, and I'm looking at new research right now that's kind of talking about the left and the right sides of the brain and how they function and how uh, the right side is the high-speed side. It's where that intuitive piece, where that habit stuff happens. It's where your identity really rests. And the left side is more your management side, your, your technical side. And see, it, it seems like that as humans, we're constantly trying to get things out of here and over to here, get it over to a system, a formula, a process. But the truth is, this is the long, hard, slow part. And on the right side of our brain is where we can operate very efficiently and very fast. Why? Because it's operating out of our identity and out of our purpose and out of the instinct that has been trained. And, and so it is, it is why, and as a pastor of a church, I can tell you some of the greatest things that people come to me is changes they can't, they can't get them. Addictions they can't overcome. People they can't forgive. Habits they can't lay down. Places where they're truly stuck emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, socioeconomically, people get stuck. And, and the question is, how do we really bring about change? How, how can we take change seriously to the place where new things begin to happen? And, and so the challenge is, can you train? Can you alter? Can you adjust the right side? And, and so what this is really about is things that alter that process, things that do that. Uh, he introduced the BELLS acronym. Uh, so who can tell me what the B stands for? Bless others or blessing. What is the E? I see my eaters really chimed in on theirs right there. The gift of eating. What's the first L? Listen. To listen. The second L? Learn. To learn. And the S? Sent. Sent. Now, we can look at this as an exercise, um, things that we can do. Uh, but what I want us to do is wrestle a little bit about why it would be important to make this something that really becomes a part of your life forever. When I uh, look at the title where it says Becoming Missional People, and so it takes some habits that really 
key into or tie into the idea of being missional people. And so I, I pulled some of this uh, out of the book, but the idea that these things are strategic, these, these habits that we're wanting to adjust, they have, they have more power. It's not just about evangelism. It is about you and me. It's about rightly restoring, rightly becoming who we are. And so it has what they call consequential effects. They are resultant. They are going to come out of this, and they're really about us. And so when we open our tables, when we listen to the Spirit, when we bless people, when we, when we do these things, it also changes us. So to develop these habits also begin to unite us together as believers. I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but I think the church uh, has worked hard, just not intentionally, but we've worked hard to make this real easy for the congregation. We've tried to remove the work from it and just, just have you participate in the results. But the truth is, if we're not being changed by the gospel, then it's not doing anything to us. And we can't just go to a church that has the gospel. We have to be where that is. And so the unity very often in a church is around, um, you know, divorced parents, single parents. It's around being a youth and getting with other youth. We center community around food. We center community around issues that, are, that we have the same as others. We center around strengths that we have the same as others. Our gifted guitar players all get together. Our, our poetic people get together and write. Our intercessors, they get together and do whatever those intercessors do over there. And so people get together with like people and they call it community. But it sells short the community of God. And it, I believe it fractures the church. And when you look at the church, and, and churches are often accused of being cliquish, which I think it's just our way of being critical of people finding community where they find community. But the truth is, we design it that way. Why? Because it means I won't have to change any. I'm going to go find people that are like me. And then they'll like me, I'll like them, and, and we'll have community. And then I'll want to go to church. I was talking to a pastor of a large church, and uh, this, was his, this was his strategy, the church strategy. We have over 52 ministries, Bill. We just encourage people, attend one of them. Participate in one of them. If you don't like it, go to a different one next week. And then go to a different one next week. And then go to a different one the next week. And what we believe is in one year, along the way somewhere, here's what, here's what was said. You'll make a friend. What? You'll make a friend. And because you have a friend, because you accidentally found someone like you, you like them without any transformation, you're going to come to their church. Now, this church was well over a 1,000 people. You could say it worked. But 
But is there unity in something other than what they have in common, what they want to have in common, or what they want? You see, the real community of the people of God is that they are the people of God, that they carry the person and the presence of God in them. And see, my hope, my passion for us is that as we begin to intentionally make it an important and a priority to bless people outside of here and an intention and a priority to bless people in here, then we become common with one another in our mission. Our mission is that we are rightly representing the creator God. That's, that's what we have in common. Whether you're tall or short, whether you're educated or not, we have so much in common. And so if we are able to pursue these things, then it unites us together as believers then when you're blessing and I'm blessing and we're blessing one another, we're encouraging one another and we're blessing those and learning how to bless people. A question I had a couple of weeks ago is there was somebody that this person really doesn't like and, uh, and so didn't, I don't think this person really respected this other person. And I, I said, you ought to say some really nice things. I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. I can appreciate that. But can we, in the power of the Holy Spirit, not come up with anything good to say about another human being? Years ago, I was in church, and the sermon was terrible. And I was with another guy, and as we're leaving, and the pastor was shaking everybody's hands, good message, good message, good message. And as we're coming up, I thought, it was not a good message. So my friend, who's wiser, older, smarter than I am, and certainly more godly, he shook the pastor's hand. He said, awesome text. I like it. It was a great text. It was right out of scripture. I thought, that's my line. Incredible text. Thank you. You see, God redeems people who are unredeemable. The point is not how easy it is to bless someone. The point is we have the capacity to do it. That's the point. The point is not, well, there's nothing to really say here. Yes, there is. You need to go deeper. You need to dig deeper because there is a way to bless that person. And the person who is least blessable is the most needy of the blessing. That's where we show up. You want to shine? You want to be different? You want to stand out? That's it. You bless the unblessable with a legitimate, realistic, powerful, connected to the kingdom of God blessing. All right. Now that gets traction. Remember what they said about Jesus? If you knew who this lady was, if you knew where this lady's been, they were missing the point. These habits also will have the effect of propelling our lives out to others while not depleting our energy. Burnout is a huge issue in the church. It's a huge issue. 
The more successful churches become, the more programmatic they become, the more they burn out people, and they don't have a choice. When they burn you out, if they're gracious and kind, the church will have a place for burnout people, and you can jo go join that group and have community with them and be bitter about these leaders that burn everybody out. And we'll find somebody fresh and new to step into that spot. We'll start burning them at both ends, and, you know, we'll keep the ball in play. But what if there's something different? What if we really are the people of God and we really know what that means and we really can connect with God here? And that's really what we're able to offer the world. And when I offer the world something that's of substance that came from here, then I'm not having to sell a program at my church. You ought to come to my church. We have a great coffee bar. We have a great this. There's a church locally uh, that their average age is like 72. And the pastor came over and he asked what our average age was. And our average age is actually very low for a lot of churches. And so he, um, he actually the pastor didn't come. Somebody else was here and they saw the coffee bar. And so they went and told their pastor that the reason they have younger people at their church is they have a coffee bar. So the pastor came over to look at our coffee bar because he wanted to copy our coffee bar so they would have young people. That's just what the church does, you know? We can, we can kind of laugh at the pastor at that point, but the pastors and churches kind of get desperate, and so they look to fix something. And so he came over and he saw our coffee bar and I was odd, odd. he wanted to see our coffee bar. And, and he said, so this is it. And I said, yeah. He said, so this is how you bring young people in. I, said, I, I wouldn't say a single soul has come to our church because of the coffee bar. I just can't imagine somebody would do that. I mean, there's coffee everywhere. And it's free here. I, I said, I, I don't think a coffee bar is going to help you. I don't think that's the answer to the question. <coughs> but if we step outside those doors, and we're somebody different than what they're used to. Carlos reminded me, we were at, uh, at a meeting in Colorado Springs in October and uh, we were eating it. It's like a Denny's. It's called Village Inn. And we ate there every night. It was kind of the meeting after the meeting after the meeting. So it's late at night. We would go there for, you know, the excuse was pie, but it was almost always a lot of food and coffee and meeting with people all night. But we tended to have the same waitress. She seemed like late 20s, nice girl. And Carlos at one point felt like the God wanted him to give her this little cross. He had her around his neck and gave her this cross. And we'd been maybe our third night to see her or something like that. And, um, and we, took a we took an opportunity to pray for her. And she, what she wanted is prayer for her children. And uh, then we were, you know, getting ready to leave. And we were, it was going to be our last night there. And I felt like the Lord said, you need to be generous with her. Said, okay. And I usually, I tip generous, so I, I knew he was taking it up yet another notch. I said, well, okay. And uh, so I'm ready to, and you're up at the cash register. She doesn't handle it. You're up at the cash register, and I'm writing, and I felt like the Lord said, that's not it. I said, okay. 
So we took it up a significant notch from there. And, uh, and we signed it. And then we walked out. We're walking to our car. We get probably, uh, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 yards away. And it, we hear this scream. Why did you do that? And we turn around. And, and that's the girl. She had just come out the door. And, and she looks angry. And uh, so we turn around. We start walking back toward her. And she asked the question again. And now she's crying. And she starts saying, it's too much. It's too much. And she's going to lose this argument because I felt like the Lord put the number down. So she's not going to win this. I said, well, it's what the Lord said. So it's really not too much. It's just not too much. And it's, it's really Jesus saying, how much he loves you, how he watches after you. And she's just, she's just crying. She's just really crying now. And, and she's hugging us, and she said, now I can pay my rent. It's the exact amount I need for my rent. You see, she, she had the question, why did you do that? That's the question. That's it. Do you realize we get people into the church and we're answering questions like, we have this, we have this program, that program. What they really want to know is, are you any different because of Jesus? What do you really offer me? What do you really offer me? That when I leave this church, it goes with me. What do you offer me when I'm all alone at night that is mine and with me and of substance and brings value to me? Is there anything for me at your church that leaves back out the door with me? You see, that's the person we can become. I believe that this life energizes us. Let me ask you a question. Did you like that story? Yes. All right. You realize that was just an everyday average couple of guys at a glorified Denny's eating some eggs or some really bad, you know, pseudo-Mexican food or something. It was just, it was just, it was not, you know, we weren't in Afghanistan. We, were, we didn't have machine guns on our head. It was just a moment where God and man connected in mission. That's all it was. That's all it was. It's just a moment where God and man did what God and man can do. That's all it was. But it changes everything when it happens. Uh, last Sunday evening, I was, I was uh, Carlos got bumped to another flight. I was waiting for him at the airport uh, when we arrived back into Houston. And uh, I'm up at the counter uh, at the Starbucks. You know, what can I say? Um, 
It's a target-rich environment. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm in line, and there's three younger people in front of me um, who are foreigners, and they're trying to buy some refreshments. And I just caught a little glimpse. I caught the word change. And I thought, maybe they need to make change or something like that. I overheard this. I'm tired. We've had a long weekend. And part of me wants to just, you know, mind my own business. But I felt like the Lord said, get in this. So I leaned forward. I said, do you need some change? Now, the question was funny to me because I don't have any change. Um, and, and so the guy turns to me and he says, um, or no, the, the, the cashier says, I don't have change for 100. And then the Lord immediately hits. I said, then I got this. And the three young people just staring at me like, I said, no, it's, it's not a big deal. I got this. I said, get, get whatever you want. So I paid the guy. So the guy behind the counter, his mouth is open. These three young people, their mouth is open. I, I pay for the coffee. I go sit down, and there's this airport employee that comes up behind me. He said, I saw what you did. I was like, and you're at an international airport. You've just gone through security. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to come up with my suspicious act, whatever I did. I said, what I did. I saw what you did. He, he said it just like that. He's kind of pointing at me. I, what did I do? That was incredible what you did. Nobody does that. Nobody. And then this big smile comes on his face. And he said, thank you. And I said, oh, and when I, when I walked away from the counter, the guy at Starbucks, he was wanting to thank me. And he picked up one of their bananas. Here, half a banana. Oh, thank you. I was hungry, so that worked for me. My, my point is, it was about $13. That's all it was. I'm just an average guy at a coffee bar in an airport that overheard something, and God said, this is it. Make your move. We're in play right now. We're in play. You're always suited up with God. Now, let me ask you, did you like that story? This is why these things energize us. This is why this work in the Lord does not burn us out. It's because we see the power of God. We see the presence of God. We see how it blesses and encourages, and it, and it becomes almost an awkward moment for people in the world. And I'll tell you, you were wired to like it. You were wired to walk away from there with more power, more energy, more battery juice than you had walking into it. Cost you $13 in about three minutes. And all of a sudden, my, my faith meter, my spiritual meter, everything rises. I love the world more. I love you more. I even love me more. 
be willing to bless others. Eating is to take time with them, break bread with them. Listen to what the Lord is doing. The average everyday person, I'm convinced, has opportunities every day to hit the ball out of the park. The average everyday person. Just regular people. Because that's the design of the people of God. We are not going to get through this message, but that's okay. The idea of what we do to bless three people every week, you will become a generous person. It just is going to begin to influence you. You begin to get more outside of yourself. It becomes habitual. You want to be generous? Start to be intentional about really blessing people authentically blessing people. And the harder they are to bless, the more important it is to hit that one. You know, you find the person that's beautiful and perfect and nice and kind and all that stuff, very easy to bless. But find the person who's angry and mean and jealous and paranoid. They're a little tougher. They need the kingdom of God to break into their life. And a blessing gets through every barrier just to bless someone. Eat with others. If you do that, you're going to develop a greater capacity for hospitality. You're going to get better at being hospitable. These are traits you see in Scripture. If you're fostering the habit of listening to the Holy Spirit, you will increase in being Spirit-led. It's going to become more of who you are. You're not going to be able to explain it. So when you say you heard God, well, what did that sound like? I don't know. It usually... It sounds like you. It sounds like your mind. It sounds like your thought. But it's a thought you can kind of, here's kind of how I judge it. When, when there's a thought, when there's, let's call it a bill thought. When there's a bill thought that is not what I want to do, takes me out of the direction I want to go, slows me down, costs me money, especially costs me time, when it's something that's a burden to me or is anything like that, I know that's not my voice. It might sound like my voice, but it's not my voice. I listen, and I try to pay attention there. We come better at hearing God. If you are learning Christ then it's fair to assume that we can become more Christ-like as we begin to put forefront what he's like, who he is. And that continues to be a part of what is in our mind. If we look at and continually focus on the character, the nature, the stories, the events, the way he lived his life, 
If you put those things before you, then they will become a part of your forward thinking. And finally, I'm not a big journaler. Um, I, I think there's great power in writing stuff down. And I'll tell you how I do it. I write it down on a wrapper, on an envelope, on a napkin, on my hand. I write it down. And I find that as I start writing, it'll actually get a little longer. When a thought hits me, when an idea hits me, when I, I, I'm reflecting on something, when I'm when anything like that, I try to write it down. It doesn't matter if I hang on to it. I don't have to have a notebook. I mean, those of you who pull that off, bless you. I'll, I'll have 60 notebooks. I won't know which one I was in last time. That's just me. But I need to write it down. It's good to write it down. It's good for your thoughts to be not just here, but them to materialize outside. And the language is to write down places where you have seen opportunities, places where engagement with what the Father was doing is something you identified or saw or something you wished would have been different. Begin to write about how you're beginning to see ways you can connect with the mission of God. Just write them down. When you see that opportunity, you miss that opportunity. You're driving down the road. Somebody cuts you off. You use sign language. Then you go, that wasn't a blessing. I needed to do something different. What could have been different there? How much could I have engaged what God was doing there? Sounds like it's time to start writing down. Write it down. Write what a, a different, what an alternative could have been. Be more ready the next time. That's how we begin to change those habits. That's why I'm encouraging us push into this together. All of us can do it. I don't care how much scripture you know. I don't care how much you don't know. If you know Jesus, you can do all of this. If you know Jesus, you can do this. And you don't have to be here to do it. You can go anywhere on the planet and do this. Our mission it is my belief, my conviction, that on some level, with good intention, I mean that sincerely, I think the church has taken the mission of the kingdom, taken this mission to engage the world under the power of the Holy Spirit to bring change and transformation to the world. I think the church has taken that on as the church's mission. And that might sound like that's the same, but it's not. Because then we begin to try to create a church that does mission. 
That's very different than the people charged with the mission doing mission. And as it's taken that, then the church develops methods and programs and systems and progresses to address needs and to, uh, to try to reach the neighborhood, to try to stand out, to try to do all these things. But here's the way it looks. If the church has a feeding center, then the people who are needy all out in the world, they share, oh, go over to the vineyard. They have a feeding center. Oh, they have food at the vineyard. Oh, they have clothes at the vineyard. They come over here, they get some things they need. And that's, that's good. But it's a program. They know it's a program. It's designed to help them. And that's good. And they're going to take advantage of it. And that's right. That's a program. There's nothing wrong with any of that. The problem is the mission is not seen because the church is not a person loving them. Let me put it this way. <clears throat> Let's say we do this. We are going to put greetings, welcome. We're glad you're here. We love you. And big signs all over the wall in multiple languages, in multiple colors. We're going to have holograms. And we're going to have some 3D stuff and hand you a glasses. You will be able to see all these ways that we can say how much we're glad you're here. We're going to cover the walls and, and um, have voices and, 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 and different recordings that are doing the same thing. And you walk in. Will you feel welcome? Now, you might find it fascinating, interesting. Oh, cool. Look at this welcome over here. But what if you walk in? And the people in that room seem like they're glad you're there. They seem like they care about you. And they want to know your name, maybe a little bit of your story. Now, when you go home, which one did you feel welcomed? The one that spent half a million dollars wowing you with welcome or the other one that just welcomed? You see, the people of God are that rubber that meets the road. And we can't replace us with systems. We're not replaceable with systems. <clears throat> Instead of being the machinery, we're often called to operate the machinery. And what I want to challenge us is Let's put the machinery aside. Let's step into our identity as the people of God. Let's get better at the things we haven't totally developed and we've depended on programs and people with different giftings or maybe even better giftings than us. Let's take seriously the charge that we are the missional people. So that's why there's the challenge for habit change. Because there are some habits that can greatly improve and help us to become and be that missional people again. The BELLS acronym that Jeff gave you, it's actually very simple. But the whole point is, it will fit into everyone's life. Your everyday average life. If you don't have any money and you're eating ramen noodles every day, 
A little bit of hot sauce. You can do this. <clears throat> Years ago, I heard a definition on missions, and this is talking about missions work. And I like the definition. It is to help or to aid or participate in the lives of others when there is no way you can benefit. And it's how they distinguished it, ironically, between helping somebody down the street and helping someone overseas who is in poverty. Because the person overseas in poverty can't really do anything back for you, but the person down the street can come to your church, start tithing, you find out that you know, they have a rich uncle or whatever. So the idea, these were for people who were cross-cultural, you know, reaching overseas. But I thought there was something interesting in this idea that mission, God's mission, he is not trying to extract from you or me. He is not trying to take something from us. But he is trying to raise us up. And so, you see, when we bless people, <clears throat> we have to really take care because most of us, you know, we can find an angle. We can find an angle. So can we do these things? Really setting ourselves apart from getting something back out of it. <clears throat> you have a you have a slide that says first Peter three, sixteen and seventeen. I want you to go to the slide directly after that. That's the one. We're, we're done here. We need to become. We need to pursue. We need to make it a high value to become godly, intriguing, socially adventurous, joyous presence in the lives of others. That's what we need to do. That stirs the pot. That changes the landscape. That's the people of God. The people of God are the best ones to invite to the party. Last night, Melinda and I had dinner with a couple that um, we really didn't know. And uh, we went to dinner in Houston. And <clears throat> it, it turned out to be a pretty interesting evening. And the more it went on, the more we had opportunities uh, to talk about faith and about missions, uh, about what we're doing in Mexico. <clears throat> and Melinda won't really know this because, um, you know, she stepped down the hall for a moment. But on more than one occasion, they talked about, they're leaving, actually. Next week, they're moving to uh, California. The regret they had that we had not gotten to be together earlier. 
And, and when his wife and Melinda had gone to the restroom, he said, you are amazing. You two are amazing. He said, I look at your relationship and it's amazing. And they started bringing up questions or comments about faith. They did. And you know what we had a chance to do in this conversation at the restaurant? We had a chance to bless them in this new season of their life. It's just what we do as the people of God. I'm inviting us to take great risk, to take on a commitment, to take on a commitment to change. I'm inviting us to do this together. I don't want this to be a sermon where I get up here and I say some things or Jeff or Kim or Betty or somebody else who's presenting. And we're going through this stuff and, you know, some of it's good information. Some of it you're maybe yawning. Who knows? But what if we joined together and we saw value in becoming people who are really good at blessing? Really good at community time with one another and and sharing a meal together. That we start valuing the people in here, that we bless people here. We encourage people here. We see value in people here. And those, and those blessings are authentic and genuine. And maybe you know something a little bit more about somebody that you didn't know. And, and God brings them to your mind that week. And we make it a habit and a priority to start listening to the Spirit as we go through our everyday life. And we begin to take seriously some effort to learn. And we're going to talk about doing these and how to do them. Uh, You're going to find the bar isn't big here. I don't want to load anybody's plate. I don't want to burn anybody else up. I don't even think it's biblical. I don't think it's biblical anybody should ever burn out. I think if we're burning out, we got some, some piece wrong. So let's start small and simple and sustainable. And start pursuing every day in a dedicated way, being the people of God. And let's begin to look for and write down what it looks like to see an opportunity where the Lord is using us or has put us in play in our everyday life. If you would stand.